more like Elite Full Restore. Hello. Welcome to Elite Full Restore, your favorite Pokemon podcast, uh, with your hosts, Ori. Hey. And I'm Matt, and with us we have a very special guest today. We have uh, Aaron Cybertron Zhang with us. How's it going, guys? It's going pretty good. I'm, like, super into Pokemon Go right now, which is a good place to start. <laughs> I'm so addicted. Oh, my goodness. I, How was unfortunately... that? You were, you were up on... You were up on uh, the stage for the the big reveal and everything like that. How how did that go? Yeah, it was crazy fun. Uh, I never would have thought I'd be invited to something like that, but it was a blast. I uh, got to meet you know Ishihara, Masuda, uh, Miyamoto, which was crazy, and uh, it was cool because I got to you know field test and beta test the game before everyone else was playing it. So you know, I, I had a good sense of what to expect, but I did not expect it to blow up like a you know how it has and how uh, it's really captured the number one gaming spot already and it's crazy like literally everyone in my city is playing it everyone i've seen is playing it uh, i actually talked to like people on the train today about it and it's mind-blowing but it's a beautiful thing to see what was the, what was like the biggest like um i guess like surprise for you apart apart from like the just immediate like reaction at the time i think people were just like oh this is really cool like I uh, didn't know they were planning on implementing these new features, uh, and I was surprised that they, it seemed like they had a really long game plan, which is good, uh, because I think like this game is really sustainable if they keep it up and add you know new features. Uh, and then you know once it came out, I guess what also surprised me was just seeing everyone, literally everyone, people who literally like haven't thought about Pokemon in years, like all my actual friends playing the game. I was like, because you know my my regular friends out of the Pokemon community, they they follow it here and there, but it's nothing too big. Like most of them stopped playing the main series games a while ago, so now like seeing all these people play it once again is crazy. But it's awesome. What I've noticed is that some people who never really even got into the main series games all that much, like but they were around for the Pokemon hype, they maybe played Red and Blue, but at most like their interaction with the Pokemon craze was probably the anime a little bit, a couple of bits of merchandise, and then they moved right on. But even some of those people who really never had the huge attachment that people like us would have had with it um, are getting into the game as well. Like, I've seen adults whose kids played Pokemon who are getting it. I have to ask, what is Miyamoto like in person? <laughs> he's, a, he's a pretty big troll. Uh, during rehearsals, like... Uh, he was supposed to announce the price of the thing was $35, and uh, he kept on saying 10 as a troll. And we were like, no, you can't say that in the real thing. Everyone's going to, like, believe that. And he was like, ha, ha, ha. Um, but, yeah, he, he was super, like, he always just has the biggest smile on his face. He looks so excited all the time, and it's fun. So the whole, like, friendly grandpa, like, like your uncle who, like, like my uncle from Pokemon, like, I guess, like, facade that he puts up, that's that's real in person? Yeah, it's straight up real, man. That's wild. That's everything I would have expected, honestly. <laughs> he just has like this childlike energy to him almost, like this boundless enthusiasm that's always there. And I really appreciate that about just like the way he talks about everything. Yeah, that's a great way to describe it. And then on the complete, I guess, other end of it, you also commentated Nationals uh, like the last week or so. How how was that? What was what was your experience like over in Columbus? Yeah, it was weird being on the other side uh, since you know normally I'm competing, but it was a lot of fun. I think Pokemon really upped their game, and I have big expectations for the future since they're clearly putting the effort and the money and the time into it uh, and the resources. And uh, like the backstage crew was insanely awesome. Uh, everyone was super nice to work with, and we just had so much more resources this year. Uh, the only issue is like having four commentators. We were a little bit short staffed, so we weren't able to do as much as we would have wanted. 
on it. But uh, I thought overall the event was a huge success. Uh, you know, crazy tournament with so many upsets and uh, super fun commentating. Uh, kind of surreal being on the other side. Uh, you know, just because I've you know been on the other side, having played on stream and uh, being interviewed, and then you know this year I was doing all the interviews, and it was a blast. I think just seeing so many newer players come up and uh, have such great success, and seeing them really uh, be so inspired was a great storyline to follow. And overall, it was just a ton of fun. Uh, definitely draining, and I lost my voice, but a ton of fun. <laughs> what was what, what what do you think you prefer that to like actually competing, or or do you you really feel like you you want to kind of step out of the public eye as far as competing goes? Uh, no, I'm definitely not done competing, but you know, for nationals specifically, like they really needed a fourth commentator, uh, and they were running out of time, and. It's always kind of been a dream of mine to commentate at events, so I figured might as well, uh, since this is kind of a perfect opportunity, I'm qualified for day one of Worlds, and uh, I honestly love both competing and playing. I think playing is a lot more stressful because, you know, when you're trying to you know win a championship, uh, there's just so much that can go wrong, whereas commentating, it's like a pretty safe, secure thing, and it's a ton of fun, but... Uh, it's kind of risk versus reward, right? Like, it's higher risk to compete because you can come out empty-handed with nothing, but if you win, like, that's amazing. Whereas commentating, it's a little bit on the safer side. Yeah, you're, you're guaranteed stuff, but uh, you don't get the chance to become, you know, national champion. So uh, definitely felt, you know, missed out on competing, especially seeing you know, so much exciting stuff go on this year. Uh, but it was worth sacrificing one year, I think, since I've played in the last six years of nationals. One thing I wanted to ask about uh, commentating is that... Uh... Pokemon's like a really jargon heavy game environment. Like how do you um like to approach the idea of kind of sanitizing it a little bit so that people who aren't necessarily really big in the competitive scenes can still understand what's going on? Yeah, it's super helpful that uh you know, I do color commentary as opposed to play by play. So, having a color commentator who knows like oh, how do I you know, describe what's going on in the game to people who might not be as well versed is super helpful. Uh, and when it comes to uh, color or having a play-by-play -play person do that is super helpful. When it comes to being color, uh, which is what I do, uh, you know, at that point, hopefully your commentator, your co-commentator has kind of conveyed what's going on and uh, you got to draw a line, right? Like there's some line where it's like, okay, if they don't understand it, then they probably just don't understand it at all. And what I'm saying won't, you know, go through to them regardless. But uh, basically just kind of simplifying things, making sure you don't use any crazy terminology uh, and uh, making sure like you kind of look at it from the other perspective and explain what's going on on a basic level, but then also in depth as well. Yeah, because one thing I noticed is that you guys don't really... Uh... Like when describing the the stat sets for different Pokemon, you don't necessarily say like this Pokemon's got uh, its EVs set into this department and it's got this nature. You'll more say this Pokemon is trained in defense, like or he runs a defensive set. And I I like I I understand what you were doing the other way, but I felt like it was really uh, a really accessible way to watch it, and it was really easy to follow. Yeah, definitely, that's a great observation. It's just something Pokemon themselves stress as well, since you know. Not everyone knows what an EV or an IV is, so being able to uh, still kind of convey the same thoughts but on a more basic level is helpful for those that might not understand it and those that obviously do understand it know what we're talking about. More on the technical end, I guess, um, what what would you say is your take on the metagame this year so far? I, I know it's been kind of a, a pretty heated point of contention in the in the competitive community, but would you say this uh, metagame is more suited to a casual player, or do you feel like it's gone a complete 180? Uh, I think it's probably the, one of the easier years to get into VGC. Uh, you know, like, 
this year we've seen more of an influx of kind of newer players have really tremendous success and you know that's because one they've been able to really grow to become really good players quickly but two i think in general it's just like previous years kind of rewarded defensive play so you could really make a ton of switches even if you were in a poor position uh, it's one of the reasons why like wolfie glick's been such a good player uh whereas you know this year he's had success obviously but uh, i think like nationals he tried that defensive play style it didn't work out as well just because this format is so hyper offense in general and uh, the metagame kind of felt like it regressed since like people were trying to counter groudon xerneas and then groudon xerneas was on every team at nationals or almost every team you know we saw a couple cool teams in the top eight or top 12 but like Half of them were Groudon Zern, and then in the finals, obviously, it was like a Groudon Zern mirror match. Uh, so, Worlds should be interesting, because, like, these teams are definitely counterable uh, to an extent. Uh, but team building is definitely a little bit harder in this format, I think, because there are only so much uh, Pokemon and strategies you can use effectively. Have you seen anything on the international end that maybe would point to something like completely random going up because I, I did I did get a chance to glance through the top eight for Japanese nationals and it like I think all of the top eight ran some form of Groudon or double weather so I'm, I'm wondering is there any like like team type or anything like that that you'll see like pop up you think at Worlds? Yeah, I mean, all the European Nationals and Japanese Nats, like, out of those four events, none of them were actually won by Groudon Xerneas, and I think that's why, like, the Europeans actually look really strong going into Worlds this year, because they've been really effective encountering it. Uh, we saw Dual Primals win, we saw Groudon Evoltal win, we saw Rayquaza Xerneas win, and then uh, those were the three respective European Championships, and then Groudon Rayquaza over in Japan. So, uh, you know, obviously you don't need Groudon Xerneas to win, and players have been finding counters, so uh, I think, like, there's only so much you can do in terms of restricted combos. Rayquaza Kyogre is something I still have high expectations of. I think if you can really figure out the perfect team for that, uh, it will be so good. Especially because, you know, Kyogre just naturally has such a good matchup against uh, Groudon if you can just outspeed and pick up the knockout. Obviously, you know, it's not that one-dimensional, but uh, Rayogre is something I think still needs to be explored a little bit more. And then, like, other archetypes, like, we've only seen a couple players use Ray, uh, Rayquaza Groudon, Rayquaza Xerneas, uh, Evil Tall Groudon. So uh, those could be worth looking into as well, but it's still going to be Groudon on Xerneas and maybe dual primals as the top two going into worlds obviously the um the strategy of it is a lot more in depth than people will notice on the surface but do you ever worry about the fact that like a lot of these teams are carrying the same pokemon like the guys who won uh the guys who were in the finals for u.s nationals had like one different pokemon on their team and for someone who's watching who's not very familiar with the the nuances of the competitive environment it can seem a little samey yeah uh, undoubtedly and uh that's why i think this format you know just hasn't been as well received uh by the casual or the viewership you know uh it's why like nationals viewership wasn't exactly the highest and uh it's a shame right because pokemon's putting all this effort into streaming but that's why i think it's like if they choose a good format next year it's going to be so good because like everyone's going to want to play everyone's going to want to watch and they're going to be so many creative teams used that like worlds 2014 was probably one of the coolest tournaments and uh, we saw a ton of awesome stuff i mean obviously seija parks pachirisu was the talk of the tournament but that entire top eight top 16 had really cool teams whereas this year like uh, i think at worlds I, i'm not expecting too much creativity honestly uh, just because i think like we might see, like, one crazy Pokemon on a team, and that's awesome. Like, you know, that could define uh, and make that difference. But at the same time, like, uh, for general viewership, it does kind of suck because it's, oh, there's six kind of combinations of restricted legendaries. There's a Groudon on every team or a Kyogre or a Xerneas, and uh, that kind of sucks. But, I mean, that's VGC in a nutshell. I feel like every year there's, like, 
maybe a couple Pokemon that are seen so often, but it's even worse this year, obviously, since these legendaries are even stronger. Before we move on to Pokemon Sun and Moon stuff, I just had a the, the couple of questions that came in specifically for you were more or less along the lines of the question I just asked. It's how does VGC stay fun and interesting with the same Pokemon? But one of them had a follow-up question in it, and that is, how do you think uh, we could uh, revitalize the VGC metagame? Like, what would you want the format to be next year in a way that would possibly make the metagame uh, more fun to watch for people who aren't as much on knowing the the intricacies of battling but want to see a bunch of different pokemon battle it out like what what would you think would be the best way to go about that yeah i think in general it's hard to say because we don't know anything about sun and moon but uh sun and moon restricted deck sounds interesting i think that's the thing that most people are expecting and i don't know i'm probably expecting that um with those metagames like typically early meta we don't see too much creativity but then when it comes to worlds like people are busting out like crazy stuff uh, as we saw both in worlds 2011 and 2014 so uh, i feel like just doing a sun and moon only pokedex would be really good because it also restricts legendaries so suddenly like you know it's much more accessible to players who are getting into it since breeding is a lot easier whereas catching legendaries can be still a little bit difficult uh, so that's what i'm expecting and hoping for uh, but who knows like uh, without information on the game and the pokemon it's kind of hard to say exactly what would you say was your favorite metagame as far as that goes? And it's kind of a cop-out if you uh, pick one of the ones where you won Worlds, but um, I, I would I would be curious as to your answer on that one. <laughs> Haven't won a Worlds yet, but I would say actually 2013. That was the year I did best at Worlds, but um, I think 2013, like I used so many different teams that year, uh, all to pretty good success, and it's like you had, team building was so open and uh, what you could use, like it was, it was like we saw a Magmar, a Marowak, a Sableye in top eight of Worlds, Jelson, a Bombasil, like there was a lot of cool stuff at Worlds that year, uh, and it was just a really fun meta game, like. It was, yeah, a little bit hyper-offensive with gems still being a thing, but you could also build defensively. Uh, like, 2012-2013, I thought, were, like, two of the best years of VGC. Uh, 2014, I liked it at Worlds. I think, like, honestly, no one really used Gothitelle uh, well enough until, obviously, Seijun and then Wolfie and then, like, Gothmawile became a thing, and that was just so strong. Uh, and I think, like, if that was discovered earlier on, everyone would be using it, in my opinion, because it's just so darn good. Uh, but I, th I enjoyed 2014, um, but probably not my favorite 2011 was definitely fun uh although i don't know there was just so much thunderous so many terrakion speed ties and rock slides and anytime you have a format where rock slides like so good and i guess that's every format but uh that year especially <laughs> like rock slide flinches were everywhere uh, i think 2015 was very skill based honestly um and that was definitely a fun one but all-time favorite 2013 for sure a surprising lack of Anova decks uh only which i'm kind of disappointed in but you know that's that's just because you hate me <laughs> um, we're going to move into Sun and Moon talk right now. Um, who, who's your favorite? <sighs> That's tricky. Uh, it's gotta be, I, I think I actually love the new Ghost Pikachu. It's so cute. It's literally perfect. Like, it's just so good. And it's such a creative idea. I mean, I suppose they've done like the kind of discarded toy idea before with, uh, with Banette, but this is more in the vein of like, it's imitating the toy because it wants to be loved. And I think that's like, it's it's good meta commentary on Pikachu too. Yeah, exactly. Now it's it's ability false colors. Did they did they mention that at all? Have they talked about that yet? I've seen some places call it false colors and other places call it disguise. So given that they haven't seemed to have actually translated it officially yet, I don't think they've actually revealed what it does. <laughs> yeah. 
And then let's see here. What were the we did not we didn't talk about Charge a Bug, which I'm already we've already gotten questions about, calling it arguably the best Pokemon ever. Um, I <laughs> will not call a bus the best Pokemon ever, but it is definitely cute. I, I love that it looks like a subway car. Um, I don't know if any of the listeners would know this. I'm sure a, a couple of them do, but I really really like trains. Like I'm super into trains. And I'm super into Pokemon, so obviously a Pokemon that looks like a subway car is going to be right up my alley. I can't believe it only took us 20 minutes to get back to Matt Likes Trains. That's so great. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm interested to see how its uh, ability battery plays out. Uh, it says it's supposed to give a boost to special attacks of people on the field with it, but like, how good of a boost do you think it is? If it's anything like Lightning Rod, it'll just be that one stage up, but it'll be... It's an ally, right? It's not for the Pokemon yeah. itself. Like, it's a it's passive boost, as far as I know. Well, that could be useful. Maybe we can finally get Bojack's mono-electric team going for him, which would be nice, but we shall see. Uh, Vicavolt, what do we think? I kind of wish it looked more like a form of transport. <laughs> you don't like that it looks like a jet engine? I mean, it kind of... I think it's pretty cool. It, it is pretty cool, and I like the idea of giving a bug electric levitate like obviously it's neutral to ground, but just giving that extra edge, maybe maybe it could replace Galvantula in my heart. Nothing can replace Galvantula. I used Galvantula to great success in 2010, uh, the year after Anovadex only was open. Uh, but oh God, it's 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 fun. Levitating electrics are just super super interesting. I'm so sad that we don't have more of them. Uh, Drampa, which is everyone's grandpa. Um, Aaron, does this look like Miyamoto to you? Do you think this is a representation? <laughs> this one just feels like a meme. That's what I think. <laughs> it's the most common thing I see is that it's supposed to be more evocative of like literally like dragon costumes. Chinese New Year. Chi Chinese New Year festival, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, I agree. I'm not really sure. Like I saw the design, I was like, you've got to be kidding, but it's awesome. Like I love all the new Pokemon, especially that one. <laughs> We're gonna test the validity of that statement. Uh, Bruxish, Bruxish, is that is that this one, the one that's a um uh, a knockoff of the Hawaiian triggerfish? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, you got me there. Yeah, I was I was gonna say um I have to try to pronounce the Hawaiian triggerfish's Hawaiian name. Yeah, I can't wait. Here we go. Aaron, get ready to laugh. Humu humu nuku nuku wapu waha. No. Uh... It's... <laughs> Okay, so so the Hawaiian triggerfish is this little like weird. Uh, it, it it lives in reefs, and the last time I went to Maui, we we actually like went snorkeling or whatever it was, and there was this lagoon, and there was a ton of them that lived in there. It's humuhunu kunu kuapua'a. Like you don't add H's to it. It's you like you pronounce each syllable in Hawaiian like on its own. It's really strange. But essentially what how it swims is the best part of that freaking fish. It like doesn't have fins on its side and so it'll wiggle its top and bottom to move. It is the best thing you'll ever see. I highly recommend watching it on YouTube for like six hours straight. So basically I the trigger fish right after. is just it's just completely flagrant at all times. <laughs> it's flagrant, yes, it's very flagrant. It just it just it just wiggles its own ass. Oh my god. <laughs> So dazzling and strong jaw. Um, dazzling was interesting to me. It, that I I was hoping we'd get an ability like this. That just per, is it 
it prevents speed priority pluses from attacking. So like no quick attack, or does it just like make? It as work? far as we know, it uh, it makes it so that priority moves don't hit at all. So it says this move was not you were not able to do this move is like what the uh, like the ability marker will do. It'll come in and it'll say you can't use that. So um, we it's been shown blocking. Um, I think it was Aqua Jet and Fake Out both didn't work. What we don't know as it stands right now is if it blocks um, moves that are given priority by an ability. So we don't know if it blocks anything from Prankster, and uh, we don't know if it blocks anything from Gale Wings, because that would, that would be a game changer right there. Yeah, especially if you can protect its partner too. That'd be freaking awesome. Oh yeah, yeah, we don't even know what it does in double battles yet. Like, it's only been shown yeah. in single battles, so there's a lot uh, there's a lot we have to look into for that one. Matt needs to talk about Cutie Fly. I can feel it just brimming to the surface. Yeah, my notes for Cutie Fly are as follows. Ah, uh... those are my notes for Cutie Fly. Solid. You're forgetting Bug Fairy Honey Friend in bold and italics, which is oh, I missed it within all the screams. But anyway, Cutie Fly is really, really cute. Is the thing. Like, Cutie Fly is so, so cute, and I, if we are going anywhere with a bug fairy, I knew it had to be somewhere in the vein of uh, either a, um, a hummingbird moth or a bee fly, and there we go, there's a bee fly. <laughs> I, I, I'm just, I, I wish, I wish this, I, I wish and hope that this is the generation where we don't just get useless bug Pokemon and get stuff that's just usable across the board and i'm really worried that cutie fly is going to fall the way of like dust or something really cool like that but or like male combi you gotta believe man i believe male combi yes hard counter to pachirisu speaking <laughs> of pecha pecha the mouse uh Toga, I'm not gonna try to pronounce that. The fat Togedemaru. 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 I got it. Um, my notes for this include the sentence "Roly Poly Cutie Patootie." <laughs> Fair. And then just the fact that I'm like super excited for the fact that it's gonna like it's it'll probably get things like follow me and nuzzle, and it can it could fulfill a similar role to Apache Risu, like a Sejun Park Apache Risu specifically. Um, hopefully it gets a little more def uh, like it gets defense to work with, so it doesn't have to like throw it all into the stats. Uh, but of course, Iron Barbs always works well with a rough helmet and uh, can be a good uh, Mega Kangaskhan check. I'd like to think that cool. this is actually Sajin Park's actual team member, and he just kind of like, <laughs> sit in the box and eat whatever it wanted to for a while, and this is what happened. Yeah, that was the meme I made after uh, I saw it. <laughs> God, uh, what a what a great thing. Uh, Sajin's Pachirisu just got fat off the spoils of victory. It literally did. So land it, and Matt wants to complain about this because I know how he feels about the ability corrosion. Okay, as long as poison types have not been able to hit steel types, I've wanted either a move or, as of Gen 3, an ability that would allow poison types to hit steel types, preferably super effectively. I don't feel like the way that they, the way that, you know, the idea of corrosion works really fits with the idea of it being able to poison everything. I feel like they should have gone with a different name for it, maybe. I don't know, but I just, I don't, I, I hope it also means that poison moves can hit steel types and also that other things get it. Because this kind of just seems like a thing one person, one Pokemon gets that is also hugely detrimental to poison types. Counterpoint, Cybertron. I think it's cool. Uh... I'm not sure how important, like, honestly, poison will be since it's not exactly uh, 
the best ability. Like, it's it's cute, but uh, in doubles, like, I don't see that having a big impact unless they change, uh, you know, poison side effects. Which would be interesting. I wonder I wonder if they're, if they're going to give poison its stat detriment, kind of like they did for paralysis. And, right. And, uh, I burns. think people are like, oh, we should have a special burn, make that, like, decrease special attack, something like that. Or even, like, something like defense, like, that would kind of make sense. Oh, that would be interesting, yeah. Yeah. Um, put a big hamper on people running guts to make them more of a glass cannon. Uh, mm-hmm. and then this weird bear thing, Ki- kite raguma. I'm not gonna try that. Kite raguma. Let's go. Sure, let's go with that. I just call it bear. <laughs> Man, that works. And I mean, big a big bear whom hug. That's definitely a good description of me. Although I am not quite. Apparently, it's like six five and three hundred pounds. Like if you could see its stats on the on the Koro Koro scan. Oh yeah, it's like two meters tall. Good lord. Okay. Like uh, absolutely ludicrously and ludicrously big sized. It likes to hug its trainers, but it is strong. Raising one puts your life in danger. That's me. I love that. Actually. They haven't said what the ability Fluffy does just yet, so we'll have to wait on that. And hopefully they don't reveal it in the time between us recording and me finishing editing it, like like last time. That was it's that was so annoying. We literally last time we did this, Aaron, we had literally released it on the day that the new Pokemon got announced, and we were a week behind. It was fantastic. Highly recommended. If you ever think about recording any kind of audio, make sure you do it in the past. And Mimikyu, the weird why not Pikachu. We've gone over this one just a little bit so far, but it is just totally so cute and such a cute idea. Um, apparently the, um, the, just given its, uh, flavor description is it's probably not gonna have, uh, disguises that relate to other Pokemon, which is fine, but a lot of people have been drawing fan art of it having disguises of other Pokemon, and that's really cute, so I'm, I'm cool with that being just a fan art thing. Aaron, what was your favorite Halloween costume? My favorite? Yeah. Yugi Moto. Okay, you're gonna have to elaborate on that one. <laughs> I was a big like, Yu-Gi-Oh you fan, paint, man. I want you to paint the picture for me. I want you to describe what the setup was like. Did you do the hair? Lay it on. No, the no, dude. I just uh, the costume came with the hair. Uh, I had a dual disc that I bought separately. One of those guys. Okay. Did you? What was, what was the yeah. hair like? Was it like car, like construction paper? Was it felt like what was going on there? It, it was like plastic wig. Okay. Okay. Did you keep it? Nope. It's uh, long gone, I believe. That's that's a shame. You should wear that the next time you commentate, honestly. You can that out <laughs> on eBay. So now I want okay. you to imagine, and Mimikyu is living in your house. It sees old pictures of you from Halloween. It sees that you're a really big fan of Yugi Moto and Yu-Gi-Oh in general. The, the Mimikyu comes up to you wearing your Yugi Moto costume. What do you say? What do you feel about this Pokemon? What are the emotions running through your head? I'd give it a hug. <laughs> Get it the hell out of my house. Oh, it's so cute, man. The last Pokemon we have to discuss actually uh, leads right into our questions because we have a related question uh, that pertains to this Pokemon. Um, so we, we'll just like transition naturally into questions. If anyone's wondering where my Pokemon Shuffle segment went, I spent po- money on Pokemon Shuffle again and I'm hugely ashamed of myself, so I don't want to talk about it. Okay, how much was it this time? Uh, just like the, the, the second least amount. I spent like six bucks again. You're gonna be, I know. You're going to be in so Not much trouble bad. when Pokemon Go gets microtransactions. I mean, yeah, no, I'm going to, I'm definitely going to be buying lure modules uh, because the uh, the radio station that I volunteer and I'm on the board for 
has uh, two Pokestops immediately outside it. One for the building that it's in, because it's a heritage building, and one for a mural that's right outside. And our new radio station location is right downtown. So it's like right in the middle of where all the downtown festivals happen in Sudbury. So I'm going to be like setting lure modules on that like crazy. And that means I'm probably going to have to end up buying some lure modules. And I think that's a good cause, though. That's like literally me spending it on actual advertising. (laughs) (laughs) They've already been doing that. Actually, this goes back to another question we got. Uh, What was your favorite like real life Pokemon Go story? And it's it's that. Like these, like local businesses have been using Pokemon Go to like draw in customers. Like there's this bar near where I live, down on the hill, and like they actually like have someone, one of the bartenders there who works there, and he just keeps using his lure modules on the like Pokestop that's nearby, and people will just hang out outside the bar like at night when they like when it's slow during the weekdays. And they'll just come into the bar and just keep refreshing the Pokestop. It's it's the worst. <laughs> it's amazing. My personal favorite story is, uh, you know how when you take, uh, when you catch a Pokemon, it gives you like the geotagged location of where that Pokemon is, where you caught it? Yeah. Okay, so <laughs> a girl was going through her boyfriend's caught Pokemon because he's like, hey, look at all these Pokemon I caught. <laughs> and one oh, of them... No. One of them was set outside his ex-girlfriend's house, and she found out that he was cheating on her. Oh, no. Oh, I saw that, yeah. Like, when we're going into stories... Yeah, when we're going into stories where, like, uh, uh, the question came from my friend Desi, who lives in Maryland, where um, that was where the Pokemon Go robbery happened. So someone set up a lure module to bring someone to somewhere that was kind of out of the way, and they were robbed at gunpoint. Great. Jeez. Okay, before we move into questions, which will close out the episode, um, what team are you on for Pokemon Go? It's late on. It's got to be Mystic. Mystic is the worst answer you can give. Oh my god, I can't believe it. <laughs> what about you, Ori? I'm Instinct. Instinct or die. Instinct forever. That's right. Boo. You're outnumbered, but you also have the uh, tournament record to prove me wrong. So I guess there's that. <laughs> but yeah, the reason I picked Instinct is like the same reason I cheered for Wales and Iceland in the Euro Cup, and it's that I like underdogs. And Instinct held a grand total of one gym in my entire city. So I'm like, okay, that's definitely my team. <sighs> so you like the losers is what you like. I just like the Zapdos. That was my thing, but... Well, yeah, he's the Archangel of Justice. Of course I had to pick Zapdos. That was my other reason. Aaron, going back to you for, for Pokemon Go, what what was your... What what did you like, and what, what did you say was your, like... What do you, what do you think they have to improve on during the next update? Because I know there are multiple things coming in the works and in future updates. What, what do you want to see in the next couple ones? Yeah, I think uh, everything needs to be more stable, first of all. Like, uh, it has been a lot better since the last update, but, like, you shouldn't be able to, like... Like, I think it sucks, because I know this happened to me, but it's even worse for other people. Like, you use an incense or a lure model or whatever, and then, like, the game just crashes for, like, 25 minutes, and you're screwed. So, it's like, that needs to be fixed, first of all. Like, consistent server, so, like, really, there shouldn't be any downtime. Uh, once that's fixed out, like, at new stuff would obviously be cool. I think, like, new Pokemon, uh, you know, being able to trade and battle other people. But uh, it's a really strong start so far, other than the server issues, I would say. And the uh, like, the occasional glitches, like especially with uh, it freezing when you like catch a Pokemon or the level one gym glitch. Although I believe they've already fixed that. 
I think the biggest thing I would like to see is maybe a more, maybe not intuitive interface, but something more descriptive. Because I know for a couple of people like myself who didn't really, like, who haven't played Ingress or anything like that, they they were kind of having trouble picking up on how to catch things and how to go about finding things. Even small things, like, I know when you're facing the direction that a Pokemon's in, the the little nearby thing will pulse in like either green or orange or however but just even even having just like an arrow or being like there's a pokemon this way kind of thing would be nice to have see i didn't even know that because it was never made clear to me so i just i didn't know that at all so i've just been kind of walking around aimlessly and hoping things end up my way the only time i've consciously moved towards something is when i saw a cloister on my map and then saw it disappear so then i like tried to figure out where the cloister was and I wasn't like using any hints. I was literally just walking in random directions trying to see if it worked. I also couldn't figure out how Pokestops worked without Googling it. Like having to spin the little medallion in the middle there. Like, come on. Yeah, that was that was kind of strange. I my uh my partner actually like learned that for the first time uh yesterday and she's way better at it than I am. So I got a little bit of of big headedness from that. Yeah, the other thing that I'm 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 looking forward to in future updates is like the ability to suggest and add portals. No, I guess they're not portals in this. They are portals in Ingress, but like Pokestops right. and gyms. Uh, because my town is barren. Like there is, there is like a couple of gyms downtown, but like where I live, there is nothing within like three kilometers of my house. Like I have to go to work to even go near a Pokestop. And there's so many parks near my house, like parks everywhere. And all of them could be stops, but none of them are. You have to go to your lo local church to get a gym, I guess. It's it's all part of the plan. Um, what is your best Pokemon, and what is its name, and where did you catch it? Aaron? Uh, I've been farming my trainer experience, so all my Pokemon suck right now, but I think the most recent one was like a Pinsir that like 600 CP that I just caught in the wild. Wow, my best one is like CP 296, and it's a Beedrill uh, that I caught outside of my work because there's like a little courtyard thing. And his name is He Pointy. I, I only have uh, I only have three Pokemon over 100. Uh, one of them is because the south end of my city, while being completely barren of Pokestops and gyms, is completely fucking filled with Drowsy. <laughs> like it's just a just a friggin' stoner's paradise of Drowsy just wandering around. There's Drowsies in my gym where I work. There's drowsies everywhere, so I've caught maybe 15 drowsies, and so I evolved them into a hypno who is named Seymour. He's 397 CP. Oh my god. Seymour asses. Okay, so, question time. Um, let's see here. Brooks asks, oh my god, uh, why can ride on surf? There's a lot of ways to go with this one. Um, just like Generation 1 was like lousy with the number of Pokemon that could learn completely inexplicable special moves. Like you notice like the early game, uh, the early game normal types, like your mid game ground types, your now fairy types, but also just like later game normal types. Like all of those have like relatively normal sets now. Like they learn things of their types. They learn a couple of moves off their type. But, like, in Generation 1, like, everything was able to learn Ice Beam and Thunderbolt and, like, the variations of those. Like, those were absolutely everywhere. And that's why, like, when people do runs of Pokemon Red and Blue, like, for uh, SGDQ, which was just last week, they use a, a Nidoking because 
one, the dragon types that Lance uses will only use agility against you because of that specific glitch, but then also just because of the completely wide variety of moves it can learn can hit pretty much everything super effectively. Well, that didn't really ever go away, though. Like, Golurk Go- 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 learned uh, Fly, which and there's just been... There, flavor kind of got tossed out the window, even with Gen 1, as far as, like, TMs go, because there are some weird ones. Our next question is from uh, Alex Leafcrunch on Tumblr. Um, he was asking about Charger Bug first, but then he went into uh, the theories about the island's guardians. So Tapu Koko is the one Pokemon we actually didn't remember to discuss earlier. Um, and nice. the general theory, <laughs> the general theory is that uh, all the islands have well, like a specific color and type uh, attributed to them, and that the guardian will match that. And then Magirna, of course, um, would be the guardian of the artificial island, which I think makes sense. I I don't I I don't. If this ends up being kind of like Azelf, Mesprit, Uxie, I I hope they are good because there was a period in Diamond and Pearl where they just got used as exploders a lot. But I I just want. I don't really mind what the flavor is. I just want them to be good. I just I just want good good not garbage legendaries, please. That's all I ask. Well, one thing we could uh, we can get we can get into and have have Aaron weigh in on as well is the idea that uh, I mean the the ability that Tapu Koko has immediately brings electric terrain onto the field, and um, I often forget what electric terrain does because it's something that just never really made it in. But I feel like abilities that <laughs> Abilities that start these terrains and thus make it so they don't have to waste a move slot could be interesting. So, like, Aaron, what do you think the the implications of this could be on on the meta? Yeah, I mean, it's a big deal. For example, like, Electric Terrain, uh, you know, has some pretty cool effects. Uh, uh, abilities that induce terrains are really cool because, like you said, like, it's really tough giving up a slot for it, but if you can automatically get the effect, like... Uh, you know, it's effectively like an item boost, and then n- not to mention, like it helps out. Uh, there are more than one effect, right? So it, it's super helpful, and because you're not wasting a move slot on it, you can still dedicate four full attacks. So uh, I, I'd really like to see how that can be implemented because I think the terrains are heavily underexplored since they're just so hard to use effectively. Because giving up a move slot for it is a big deal. I'm looking forward to that one person who always shows up at a competitive event trying to use pledges, and I hope we have more pledges just so I can see that one guy pop in again, because it's honestly my favorite thing. I feel like the the, the Guardians have to learn the pledge moves. Like, they have to. Or something similar to that, at least. Um, and that, that, that leads into like the idea that like, there could be other island Guardians. Like, there's four main islands in Alola, I believe. That's what they, that's what they ended up going with. They'd get their own guardians, like Tapu Koko is for the um, for the for the first island. There'd be one of a different type for each of the other islands. So they they would probably all have abilities that are similar to uh, electric terrain. Oh, I mean, the one that starts electric terrain, whose name I forget. Uh, the only terrains I can think of that exist otherwise are misty terrain and grassy terrain. So maybe a pure fairy and a grass fairy, but there is four islands, so there's probably one more. Uh, next question. Um, Aaron, how do you choose your teams on the first playthrough of a game? <laughs> I just capture the Pokemon I think look the coolest. What a casual answer. That's so surprising. I know. Do you ever plan them Those... ahead? Like, No, not really. I just go along with it. Yeah, I feel like that is the best way to do it every time is just to wing it and go by. And if you want to replace something later with something of the same type that you like better, then you could always do that. I definitely don't 
bother going for even natures on my playthroughs because it just seems like it would uh, interrupt the flow of the game too much. Like, I could deal with that later when I'm actually making competitive Pokemon. It, it's interesting because I really, like, especially when uh, Heart Gold and Soul Silver came out and we had those leaks and we knew everything that was different, I would, like, and maybe maybe I'm too old for this now, but I would, like, go, like, route by route and just be like, okay, I want this one here, and he's going to be number five. I want this one here, it's going to be number six. But, yeah, na natures are interesting because it's there is, like, a significant amount of, like, people. Like, I know Scott from Nugget Bridge does this, and I know Eevee Trainer does this, where they, like, will soft reset the game until they get a starter with a good nature. And that's very surprising to me, I guess. I, I don't know. That just seems so boring. Like, I just want to play the game already. Like, the only time I'll plan ahead, really, is I'll pick which version I grab, because I'll only ever grab one, because I'm not made of money. Uh, I'll pick which version I have based uh, based on the version exclusives and which ones I'd, I see potentially wanting to have on my team. And that's basically as far as I go with that, because otherwise, like, I just, I just play it by ear. Um... Colin from Tumblr asks, "Kill IVs, great contribution." Next I mean, we could, we could, we can actually, we can lead into that one. We could, like, the idea of IVs and their pervasiveness. We okay. I do want to pick Aaron's brain about this a little bit. Do you feel now that hidden power is not really a thing anymore because of it's down to sixty base power now? Do you feel like still selecting IVs, except for like in cases where you need like a zero speed IV for a trick room team or something like that? Do you feel like they're really necessary anymore? No, it's not necessary because I think EVs are enough. Um, I think Hidden Power, we still see some, like Ice and Water are still really popular this year on Thunderous uh, and occasional other Pokemon. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, Hidden Power, like, depending on IVs, is still kind of a big deal because every year, like, there's probably at least one Pokemon that can use it and pretty effectively as well. So uh, kind of hard to, like, throw up all of IVs. Uh, I don't expect them to do that. And... Uh, especially for speed like 0 to 31 like uh, each number can make a difference like people will run something like in the middle for trick room or you know tailwind stuff like that cool and okay we're gonna do the last question and it is which pokemon are all about that vape life and i'm gonna hit my vape real quick to answer this question coughing it's a great answer ori my answer is drampa because Drampa is Willie Nelson, and Willie Nelson smokes weed, and I have a flowchart written next to my description of Drampa uh, in my show notes. It goes, Sap Sipper absorbs grass, smokes weed. So he definitely, he definitely vapes. I hate you so much. Cool. Uh, I guess that's all the time we have. We're running way over. Um, thank you again, Aaron, for putting up with us for an hour. We really appreciate it. Anytime, man. Yeah, that's all for this week. Uh, everything I said I would link, I will have in the show description. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at E4Restore or on Tumblr at EliteFullRestore. Uh, my name is Matt, also known on Twitter as MattGCN. I'm Ori, Queen Parasite. Uh, Cybertron VGC on Twitter. Cool. Thanks for listening, guys. Please sub. We really appreciate all the support so far. You guys are awesome.